Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new week of AutoLine Daily. I'm Sean McElroy filling in for John while he's out driving the new Honda Fit, but now let's look at today's top stories. Car sales have been slow so far in the U.S. due to the unusually cold winter. But now that spring is back and temperatures are going back up, Wards is forecasting that sales in March are going to rebound. Car sales are estimated to hit 1.48 million units, which is an increase of 6% compared to last year. That translates to a SAR of 15.8 million units. Wards also says inventory levels will continue to fall, with the days of supplies of vehicles expected at 65, down from 90 just a couple of months ago. And earlier this month, we showed you a teaser image of Hyundai's all-new Sonata. And now after its South Korean debut, we get to see the whole package. It sits on a modified version of one of its own platforms, which is not only longer and wider than the previous model, but is said to improve suspension performance and structural rigidity. No official word yet on which powertrain options will be available in the U.S., but in Korea it can be powered by a series of four-cylinder engines that range from 2 liters up to 2.4 liters and are either mated to a six-speed manual or automatic transmission. The all-new Sonata will be launched outside of Korea in the second half of this year. Audi just showed off the newest generation of its TT, but before that car enters the lineup, the German automaker has made some upgrades to the current model. Up front it gets Audi's single-frame grille and will now sport LED running lamps. A new competition package is also available, which includes a fixed rear spoiler, new paint colors, unique wheels, and leather seats with baseball stitching. The 2015 model will come standard with heated seats as well. A few years back, Daimler and Nissan entered a partnership to collaborate on small cars and engines, and now the two automakers are expanding their tie-up. Reuters reports that Nissan and Daimler have agreed to start a 50-50 joint venture in Mexico to build the Mercedes GLA and all-new Infiniti cars at Nissan's Aguas Calientes plant. No word yet on when production will start. And speaking of manufacturing, BMW is going to start building its X7 crossover in South Carolina. Reuters reports the company will spend several hundred million dollars to upgrade the facility which will boost its annual output to about 400,000 vehicles. A formal announcement is expected later this week. Coming up next, a look into Ford's racing history. Proven on the track and on roads around the world, Borg Warner turbochargers improve fuel economy and reduce emissions without sacrificing performance. Borg Warner, official turbocharger supplier to the IZOD IndyCar Series. Last week on Autoline After Hours, we were joined by Mose Noland, who worked on some of Ford's most famous racing engines. It was a great discussion about the company's racing history, and if you didn't catch it, here's a taste of what you missed. Okay, Mark uh, Beckman or Bachman says, what would you say is the most significant engine that you worked on, and what challenges were there that made it successful? I would say the 427 side oiler Le Mans engine, and, and the reason for that, Mark, is, is we had some 
pretty good material in these various parts. And the surface finishes on them was important and was there for longevity. Now, the engine horsepower, if you probably know this, it was a NASCAR engine detuned to go 24 hours. And I believe in 24 hours we made 3,251 some miles travel. Right down so, to the last digit, yep. 3,251. Good for so you, any, folks. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, that was the most interesting engine uh, for me because uh, we were so dependent on bringing this thing home as a winner for Mr. Ford, you know. Yeah, Carl Esposito has a very similar question. I don't know, maybe it's a little bit different. What would you consider the pinnacle of engine design? Same one or? Uh, no, I would have to vote for the uh, Indy Camera engine because of uh, uh, the deviation between push rods to uh, followers, the cup type follower and so on, and four valves in the pin chamber, combustion chamber, and the dual overhead cams with, uh, I believe it was 16 or 17 straight cut gears in the front that drove this whole thing. Uh, that was the one you really had to pay attention with it. You had the proper clearance on all these. They were noisier and all get out. I mean, when that thing around come around turn four, it was screaming, but it was all these gears rattling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly wasn't the air slipping off the car, but, uh, but so I, I thought that that was uh, maybe the most complicated engine that, that I was connected with in, in our racing programs. As I mentioned, this was a fun show about the history of racing, and you can watch that entire interview right now on our website at autoline.tv. But that's a wrap for today. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you right here again tomorrow.